Hi folks, welcome back. This is Annette of AnnetteLeonard.com, back again with another moment for chronic wellness. And I'm so glad you're here. We are continuing our interview with CEO and founder of the platform, The Mighty. It is first person narrative experiences from health and disability backgrounds and is a powerful place to be a witness to yourself, be a witness for others, get information, exchange information, feel validated. Remember that we are more than these illnesses. So thank you for tuning in for this rich part two of my conversation with Mike. Yeah, and what I hear is sort of riding that line between fear and excitement and, and knowing that you, you have the will for this thing to be born, but still, as you say, leap of faith. You yes, just have yeah, to absolutely. make that move. And and so at that point, you had, I'm assuming, sort of handpicked and started to assemble a small team of you to... I hired one person, um, Meg, our editor-in-chief, and um, uh, found her, a, a good friend of mine had managed her at Huffington Post and, you know, spoke the world of her. So I met up with her, showed her this mock of the site, and she looked at it and said, this is about people. And she got it. She understood this wasn't about health. It was about people yeah. and their own experiences with health. And um, that was a signal to me that she got it. Um, sorry, you may be hearing the sirens in the background. I'll, I'll start again. Uh, Meg, uh, I hired Meg, our editor-in-chief. And um, she really, from the first moment I met her, really understood what this The Mighty was all about. I showed her a mock of the site and she looked and saw every picture had a person in it. And she mm. said, this is about people. And, uh, you know, we were never trying to build, like, we weren't trying to be another health publisher. We were trying to be a platform for people to open up and share their experiences. So, um, so she and I started it. And uh, within about five or six, or I guess four or five months, we had about a half million readers a month. And that was a credit to um, her in terms of she did three stories a day. She had to go find great content on the internet. Um, we'd reach out to people and say, would they like to write a story for us? Or she might have seen a blog on someone's you know, site and said, wow, I love this. We would like to get it in front of more people. Would you allow us to share this you know, on our platform? And um, you know, mix of different things. Her job was to get the stories up. My job was to find a way to get them in front of people that would find them meaningful and helpful. And we tried lots of different ways. A lot of things didn't work, um, but we found some ways that did work, working with nonprofit organizations, partnering with media companies, things like that. And uh, so a lot of things worked and then we were able to, you know, that was the kind of the proof point we needed to, um, to go out and, and raise money from investors and say, hey, this could be uh, something that grows into something much bigger than this and really um, help, help move the healthcare needle more toward patient-centered experiences and the import, you know, rising, raising that to a, a higher level um, and, and putting more focus there. Uh, and, and obviously to be more helpful to folks that were, were on the platform. So um, that was, again, about uh, you know, five, six years ago when we, <laughs> we got that going. How exciting. And, and so in the ensuing years, um, how has it changed or grown in ways that you didn't expect or what has it become that you've been surprised or delighted by? I think so initially, uh, again, I came coming out of media and publishing, 
um, I saw it initially as a, you know, um, you know, really as a publisher that we would publish other people's content, right, and get it in front of other people. And what we saw was such high engagement levels, and we couldn't keep up with the number of people submitting content. And so eventually, you know, we started investing in content first and the people that would help us, you know, build that content. And then um, we realized we really have to invest in the technology side. Yeah. And, um, and really build this as a platform to essentially hand over the tools to people so they didn't need, <laughs> need us as much and they could open up and share their experiences, you know, on their own. Not everybody wants to write a 500 word story. Um, and so, and so it, you know, really evolved, um, you know, uh, in that way. And newsletters have become a very big thing for us. I didn't realize that that would be um, a big thing, but we send out over 20 million email newsletters a month. Um, now and uh, for people who sign up for you know, a variety of different emails and so it's another delivery mechanism to get people's stories out to get people's experiences out um, and we'll be launching soon a, a daily email um, that will go out to our community as well wow what a lot of growth <laughs> <laughs> yes it has been the, and um, changing topics for a moment uh, being the father of not just one child, but four children, one of whom has a rare chromosomal disorder that has big impacts for the family. Um, what have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about being in a family that has a child that has special health needs and chronic conditions? So our family dynamics are different than a lot of other families that I know. So that was, you know, it's just something when we accepted that, it became much easier. I think when you, it's natural for people to look around at their neighbors and say, you know, or we're like this and they're like that. And um, when we just accepted the fact that, you know, when we go places, we generally take two cars because my daughter may not, you know, when they say last very long, she you know, um, sensitive to all kinds of things, you know, uh, audible noises, you know, if she's in a loud place, it's really hard for her. Anything that's, you know, over, overly you know, uh, stimulating. And so um, that's one of the things that's just different with us. When we go to, you know, a friend's house, um, not as much now under the, <laughs> with the pandemic and all that, but um, in the past and hopefully in the future, like we'll often take two cars because it could be that, you know, my wife and boys are hanging out for a longer period of time, but if Annabelle, you know, starts getting really upset, then we're not going to try to force her to be in a situation she really doesn't want to be in. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, so one of us will will leave and take her home or, or for ice cream or, you know, something like that. So um, we had to figure out that there are times when we do things together as an entire family. And there are times when we do much more individual things. Like, for instance, I'm going to take my boys to Yosemite um, to do some camping in the near future. And that's not something I think my daughter daughter would enjoy. Um, I don't, I can't imagine her sleeping in the tent. I can't imagine a lot of things. Um, uh, she, I just don't think she would enjoy something like that, given, you know, kind of where she's at right now. So um, we won't do that as a family, but I'll do that with the boys, right? And then but there'll be other times we'll do something just with her. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a mix of those things. Some things we can do as a whole family, um, but everybody needs uh, attention, um, including the folks that don't have rare, <laughs> rare diseases, right? Yeah. So, so we just have to kind of find our way through that. Um, and what, you know, I, what I hear in your answer, Mike, is uh, is a lifetime's worth of learning with your children about what their needs are. Is also 
surrendering to the norms of we thought it was going to be this way or for our neighbors families it can be this way and and i also hear um the lens of you know if if equality is everybody gets the same thing and equity is everybody gets what they need yeah. that you're really paying attention to equity in in each of those examples that you gave so you're saying it better than i did but yes i agree with you in that i think the equity part is uh and, and the kids even at a young age they get it they they kind of they they understand i remember when my uh 11 year old was then i think he was about four and i came home from work one day and he um you know i said hey buddy how's it going and he said annabelle's having a rough day and I'm thinking what four-year-old, when you ask that question, is thinking about how his sister is doing, right? But he knew what was happening in the house yeah. and, you know, yeah. he got it. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that, you know, the other kids are growing up with a much deeper sense of empathy uh, yeah. than, uh, than I probably, you know, grew up with in my own household. All right, so this wraps up part two of our conversation. Tune in tomorrow while Mike will continue to talk about what he's learned about himself from having a child in his family with special considerations and different abilities. And he's also gonna talk to the ways in which that informed the Mighty and um, what work he does with other families who also um, have children born different than they expected them to be. So uh, that will be part three as we continue the conversation tomorrow. Be sure to check that out. Remember, if you have not subscribed to wherever you are watching or listening to this podcast, I would be grateful if you would, please. And as ever, I'm always, always, always grateful for your comments, your questions, your suggestions about things we should cover next time. And don't forget to check out tomorrow as the interview continues. Thanks so much. Be well.